0: to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a thing, however over the next three months, July, August and September, it is the Summer of Shocks. Which is my look at the Piranha franchise, selected Hitchcock movies, and this month's selection, selected Stephen King movies. Which will be Pit Cemetery, Children of the Corn, Cat's Eye, and this week's movie Kerry and Rage Kerry 2. Why Kerry? Well, this is the first book King had, that was turned into a movie, long before The Shining, Christine, and The Mist, of the Bottom in my archives, by the way, check them out. Also, I thought I'd add Kerry 2 in for giggles. I'm not covering the 2002 nor 2014 remakes, as they are just utter trash. Anyway, Kerry, a book I have never actually read, but it's the story of every bullied teen in high school's dream come true. True, even. Getting a revenge on your bullies. And what a way to do so. Uh, with a telekinetic powers, fire, electricity, and pure blood ar- lust ar- rage. People ask me, if I had this power, what would happen? Well, Kerry would be a preschool special compared to what I would have done to my bullies. Anyway, moving on. Is this the prototype King movie? A kid with special powers, a religious nut, a bullies, and a lame ending. Mm. Brought to us by Brian De Palmer and Stephen King, who got a mere $2,500 for writing the screenplay. With a budget of $1.8 million, this pulled in $33.8 million and quickly became every goth or loser in high school's favourite movie. In an age of feminist power, can this mid-seventies movie still hold power? Uh, let us find out. Starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, William Kat, Amy Irving, Nancy Allen, P.G. Scholes and John Travolta. Directed by Brian De Palma. Uh, the plot: Class A, class outsider, Carrie White, a seventeen-year-old uh, with a strict religious mother, is bullied heavily in high school things only get worse when in gym class she has her first period terrified she screams out for help however the class bitch and her clique torment the poor girl and mocking her relentlessly the gym teacher comes in to stop this and quickly punishes the nasty girls the next day all mean girls are forced to extra physical education until school bitch chris stands up to it she loses her prom privilege so she plots revenge on Kerry at the prom. This seals her fate, but find out what else happens here. So the movie opens up on a volleyball match, and why am I getting Daria title theme eh, flashbacks? I mean, as the camera pulls onto Kerry White, played by Cecil Basic of GFK, Blast from the Past, A Home in The World, Other Help, Castle Rock, and Homecoming, as this is her most iconic role. She misses a pass and blows the game for the team. As uh, she stands there in shame/slash shock, the other girls mock her and indeed even hit her, including Norma, played by P.G. Skulls of Halloween seventy-eight. Private Benjamin, Uncle Sam, hello there, Eric, uh, the Tooth Fairy, and Alone in the Dark two. She hits her with her trademark red a baseball cap, as she wears fucking everywhere, including the prom. Who the hell was a red bloody hat a prom? Mm. But it's Mingirl Chris, played by Nancy Allen of Robocop and Poltergeist 3 fame, that hates Carrie the worst just for no particular reason other than she's a shy outsider. A typical bully, always picking on the weak ones while hiding their own insecurities. Cut to the changing rooms, and that's a lot, and I do mean a lot of 70s books on show, as the camera pans in slow mo, because of course it does, across the locker room. As the girls are messing around and she's drying off. Note, none of the women actually wanted to do nudity until Brian De Palmer showed them sissy space sex nude scenes and they were fine with it. Speaking of which, the camera zooms onto Carrie as she's showering in the arty slow-mo steam filled room as soft flute music is playing as Carrie gets her first period. Uh, one thing here. She's supposed to be seventeen. Should have I gotten this thing much earlier, like what dunno, ten or eleven. Not bloody well seventeen. This freaks out, screaming, she thinks like she's dying. She begs all the girls for help. However, Chris disgusted with her, she starts to pill her with tampons, shouting Plug it up, plug it up, plug it up as other girls join in too. Suddenly in runs the gym teacher, Miss Collins, played by Betty Buckley of White Earp, Oz the Happening and Split. To stop all this, going as far as to slap Kerry, as uh, she's in hysterics on the floor in pieces, covered in tampons. Kerry screams in fear as a light bulb explodes, as uh, this is the first sight of her powers. And before I continue, I should say, Sisyphus was 25, Amy Irving is 23, Nancy Allen is 26, P.G. Skulls is 26, William Cat is 25, and John Travolta is 22, all playing 17. Get in. In fact, Betty Buckley was only three years older than SpaceX. Uh, She's supposed to be uh, the PE teacher or gym teacher. (laughs) Miss Collins chases away all the girls as she tries to calm down Carrie. Let's cut to Carrie sitting outside the principal's office. That being Mr. Morton, played by Stefan Guyrich. He gets the story of what happened from Miss Collins. I love the fact that Miss Collins is sitting here smoking a cigarette. (laughs) The 70s. Also, she's disgusted by Kerry herself, as she has a bloody handprint on her pristine white gym short shorts. I mean, you the principal gets Kerry's name wrong several times, as he sends her home. This ticks off Kerry, so she uses her powers to flip an ashtray, as it smashes to pieces on the floor. With that, she walks home, flipping a little brat off his bike, as he screams, Creepy Kerry, Creepy Kerry! At her, a note that is Brian De Palmer's nephew, I believe. Anyway, moving on. Cut to Margaret White, the archetypal uh, religious nut of the King, bloody universe, played by Piper Laurie of Twin Peaks, the faculty, returned to Oz, and in fact, she quit acting in 1964, but returned when De Palmer gave her this script, a which... She thought was a black comedy until Parma says this was a straight horror. However, she put this as a comedy. As uh, she visits one of Kitty's classmates' mother, Mrs Snell, played by Priscilla Pointer, of my dearest blue velvet and on Street three. Chip archives also, but the Chud, Chud two again. Chip archives. Miss White is trying to sell her on some fucked up version of the Bible. Uh, But Mrs Snell has none of it and hands her 10 bucks and chases her off, just as Sue Snell, played by Amy Irving, uh, walks in and this was her first movie. Indeed, she reprises this role in Rage Kerry 2. Cut to Mrs White returning to her home, which is for sale, Hmm. inside of which is covered in religious icons. As upstairs, Kerry hides from her mother, who gets a phone call from the school, telling her what happened. Carrie comes downstairs to talk to her mother, however, all she does is pray for Carrie, sins, or becoming a woman, and then beats up Carrie for doing it. What the fuck movie? Just how much of a religious nut is she if she thinks becoming a woman is a sin? And no wonder poor Carrie gets bullied in school, if her mother goes door to door trying to sell her twisted version of Jesus, and then not telling Carrie absolutely anything. Thinking becoming a woman is the ultimate sin... God, if she's that much of a Rogers nutbag, why the fuck did she send Kitty to a public school and not have her homeschooled or even send her to a Catholic school? Or isn't that, quote, pure enough for her? For God's sake. After Kitty tries to stand up to her mother, she's dragged into her, quote, unquote, prayer closet to pray her sins away. Jesus Christ. A <clears throat> note. That is not Jesus Christ, Kitty prays to in her closet, but St. Sebastian, who was tied to a tree and shot with arrows, not crucified. Uh, so moving on. Much later at night, as Mrs. White sits at her sewing machine, Kitty sticks out of her closet to get some food, but she's sent to bed. As in her attic bedroom, Kitty uses her powers to smash a murder. The next day in school, an English teacher, Mr. Fromm, played by Sidney Lasik, reads out a poem written by our <coughs> hero, Tommy Ross, played by William Catt of the House Movies, check my archives, greatest American hero, and uh, Perry Mason, uh, TV Movies. It seems he's the high school jock, all round star. The teacher goes on to mock Carrie after she says the poem was beautiful, in fact it goes beautiful, 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 for about ten fucking minutes, this guy's a complete arsewipe. Cut to detention, as Miss Collins punishes the girls for what they did to Kitty. A note on the wall being cleaned off is, quote, Kitty White can't eat shite. Charming. She has all of them lined up, and choose each and every one out for the heartless little bitches they actually are. Also in this lineup is Helen, played by Eddie McClurg, who I knew from my favourite B-movie, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and yes, you've guessed it, check archives. By the way, sorry to be mean here, but she's a little dumpy to be a mean girl. I mean, ah, uh, really. Cut to the girls outside doing sit-ups and other workouts as cheesy '70s music plays. Meanwhile, Carrie is in the school library looking up telekinesis, as you do. Chris has had enough of this after forty minutes of non-stop working out, so stands up to Miss Collins, who slaps her across the face for real. Apparently, this was the thirty-fifth take and apparently the last six were real slaps get in the other girls quickly turned their backs on chris who has her prom tickets revoked from her and oh no how is she show off her hideous dress while getting finger blasted on a dance floor and then head to a sleazy motel to lose her virginity wait what am i saying she's a quote popular girl i.e easy so she's probably get stoned drunk, and then have quick sloppy sex, fall pregnant, drop out of college, get a shitty job, lose her looks, hate her kid for ruining her life, uh, she's stuck with some high school jock, loser, bitter he doesn't have anymore, <laughs> well, knocking back six pack after six pack, the fucking slob, and wow, John, you went really dark there, mm. back to Carrie, uh, she looks up to cut to Sue, waiting for Tommy on the track. She asks him to take Katie to the prom. Later that night, Chris is with her much, much older boyfriend, Billy Nolan, played by John Travolta of Greece, Saturday Night Fever, Olympus well, Talking Movies, Broken Arrow, Pulp Fiction, Face Off, Battlefield Earth, American Crime Story, and a Gotica Gotti, sorry. Gautika. Gotti, sorry. Uh, he is drink driving while speeding, listening to music because he's a douche bro. He drops his open can of beer spunk over Chris as a cop car drives past. She calls him a stupid shit, so he slaps her. You gotta love the bloody 70s, And yes, that was a real slap. Because the Palmer wanted everything to be done real, apparently. Mm. Later in Sue's house, Tommy agrees to take Kitty to the prom. As back to Chris, she at first tries to seduce Billy, then stops, then goes again, then stops. So he tries to force himself on her with that she pushes him away calling him a stupid shit and he slaps her again what the fuck does she see in him is it the car is it the quote danger or is she so much of a slut she went through every guy in high school and she had to look elsewhere after being slapped around being called a crazy bitch she seduces billy again this time going as far as to give him a blowjob trying to get him to go alone Along, rather, with her revenge plan. What the fuck? This woman is completely fucking deranged. First he slaps her around a few times and then she goes down on him just to get him to go along with her sick plan to get revenge on Kerry. For what? Missing one shitty dance? Jesus Christ, she's fucking bugging us. Also, she must be good at ventogalism if she can talk with her mouth full. Unless of course Billy's not packing a jumble jet. <coughs> the next day in school at the school library, Tommy asks Kerry to the prom. Kerry runs off, crying in a cerebral. Miss Collins finds Kerry, as Kerry tells her all about Tommy after a quick pep talk about how beautiful Kerry can be with some makeup and a new haircut from Miss Collins. Kerry is off for spring her step. So Miss Collins pulls Tommy and Sue into her office to get the truth. Sue tells Miss Collins she feels guilty over what she did to Kerry and wants her to have one good day in high school. And walks Norma to hand in attendance sheets. As Miss Collins has out with Tommy, she here's this thing. As Sue tells uh, Miss Collins, she told Tommy to take Kerry to the prom. Miss Tongskins Sue grills what Tommy and Sue's plans are for Kerry at the prom. Tommy says it's just one dance beside. She rather says no, so Sue forces Tommy to ask again. Cut to later that day as Tommy pulls outside Kerry's house and then goes up to the door to ask her out. Kerry answers the door as Mrs White screams for her in the background. She says no time and time again. However, he's not taking no for an answer so he just stands there until she says yes okay then cut to a pig farm okay as billy and his boys kill a pig to get blood to dunk on kerry billy bashes the pig's head in with a sledgehammer as chris stands there and screams do it do it do over and over again she's fucking crazy meanwhile back at kerry's Katie tells her mother she's invited to the prom, so she throws hot coffee in her face, saying no she's not. So Kitty stands up to her bugnut's mother as she rants, Ahem, The boys, the boys, the boys, first comes the blood, then comes the boys, in melodramatic fashion. After more overacting from Mrs White, Kitty screams, Just talk to me, mama! And then uses her powers to close all windows in her home. Mrs. White screams, The devil is inside you! Until Kitty says, It's not the devil, Mama. It's me. I have the power. Pointing out her father ran off of another woman, it wasn't the devil that done it. Kitty stands firm. She's going. Cut to the high school gym, where the prom is getting set up as Chris puts the bucket of Pick Bloods, Pick blood up on the rafters. Back to Carrie. as she makes her own prom dress as her mother sits in prayer. Okay then. Next afternoon, one of Billy's boys tricks his way onto the ballot committee so they can rig the vote to make Carrie prom queen. Meanwhile, in a beauty parlour, gossip spread like wildfire about Tommy and Carrie. As in the gym later that day, Sue is asked how she feels about not going to the prom. She says it's okay, she told Tommy she's fine with it. It's only one stupid dance. Chris then tells Norbert her plan, going as far as to show her the bucket of pig's blood. Okay, bit much your love. It's just a fucking stupid dance. All this because this crazy bitch can't go to one shitty dance. I mean... <sighs> Cut to Tommy and his mates trying on tuxedos in this weird montage of fast-forwarding and cheesy waka-waka music. Gotta love the 70s. I mean, a lot of cocaine was on this, this fucking set, I'm guessing. As Kerry tries lipstick next door in the chemist for the first time ever. Later that night Carrie puts herself up and here comes the infamous THEY'RE ALL GONNA LAUGH AT YOU! THEY'RE ALL GONNA LAUGH AT YOU! from Mrs White overacting yet again. And dear god this woman is crazy a bag full of flea bitten cats on heat! Jesus jinkies! Carrie forces her mother down and then goes to the prom with Tommy. Maybe, just maybe, in her own bugger the nuts way, Missus White was right. If Kerry has to change everything about herself just to be accepted, then why should she? Shouldn't sh- society take her as who she actually is, not placing people in fucking pigeonholes and forcing ridiculous beauty standards on them? <sighs> Seriously, society's fucked. Now it's a prom. Everyone is judging Tommy and Kerry, but ultimately likes Kerry's dress. At 8pm, see Sue, rather, leaves her home to go to the prom alone, not dressed up. Miss Collins sits with Kerry, where she makes some awkward small talk. Is she really nice, or is there something else afoot here? Tommy chases ch- away the frankly touchy-feely teacher, then asks Kerry out yet again. So the two dance and share a kiss. Cue that annoying spinning camera work the dance is put on hold to vote for the prom king and queen. And here, Carrie sees her name on the form. One quick question for you. What is the big deal with the bloody prom? They didn't have it when I was in school. Isn't this just another chance for the popular kids to show off and make the others feel like shit before leaving to go into the (coughs) real world where they're Fucking treat to let shit also. Anyway, after Tommy talks her into it, Kerry votes for herself, and this seals her own doom. As back at Kerry's house, Mrs. White is finally lost. it pacing around the kitchen, chopping up vegetables sinisterly. As back at the prom, Chris puts her plan into action. Norma, still wearing a red baseball pla- baseball cap, because of course she is, collects the ballots and then kicks the real votes under the stage, replacing them with the fake rigged votes. So, you know where this is going, don't you? Yeah. Kerry wins, dump, Chris dumps blood over her, and then all hell breaks loose. Before this, however, Sue has snuck into the prompt to watch Kerry being crowned. So, was she she in on this all along? Hmm. As the crowd claps and cheers for Kerry, Chris awaits under the stage to pull the rope. Sue sees the rope moving, so follows up to the bucket. However, when she tries to warn Carrie, Miss Collins throws out, thinking it's because she's jealous of her. Couldn't she, or I don't know, dived on stage to push Carrie away, or even better, shouted a warning at her for crying out loud, I mean. mm. With Sue thrown out, Chris strikes, dunking the bucket over Carrie. As they all laugh at her, Tommy is killed by the bucket falling on its head. Chris sees this and runs for it. And note, the bucket of pig's blood was supposedly real pig's blood, which was stone cold, and that's Sissy SpaceX's real reaction to it. Carrie hears her mother saying, They're all gonna laugh at you, over and over again as she finally snaps. Her vision spins and she starts to use her powers. She seals the doors, starts the fire hose, and sets a place alight. She soaks Norma with it. And note, when the hose hit PG's skulls, it burst her eardrums, so she was able to hear for six months. The lights turn red on Carrie's rage increases as the water. Hits the lights and this causes to to uh, t- 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 an electrical fire. Kerry shoots the head teacher and the English teacher Miss Collins tries to run, but she's squashed by a falling scoreboard and pinned to the wall, crushed to death. As the fire engulfs the gym, panic is rife. As Kerry just walks out calmly, leaving them all to burn. Chris sees what is happening and runs to Billy's car. As sirens scream in the air, Kerry walks home still coated in pig's blood. Carrie tries to run over, but Carrie causes the car to spin and spin out and control, rather, crash and engulf in a fireball. Full of bloodrust and revenge, Carrie returns home, where her mother has lit every single fucking candle in North Carolina. In fact, Carolina. <laughs> Carrie walks through all this up to her bathroom to wash away the blood and the sin of multiple murders. Afterwards, her mother comes out of the darkness to spout out some shit about how she had sex with her husband even though she thought sex was a sin even in marriage, what is wrong with this woman? She then stabs Kerry in the back with a butcher's knife after saying I liked it, he had whiskey in his breath and I liked it it was such a sin but he put it in me and I liked it and so on and so forth <clears throat> Kerry then falls back down the stairs and with a mad glint in her eye, Mrs White stalks after her Carrie has no choice but to crawl across the kitchen floor, heading to her pl- prayer closet for safety. However, Mother is still after her with an evil grin on her face, so Kitty uses her powers to pin her mother to the doorframe using every sharp object in the kitchen. Slowly dying in orgasmic pain, and I'm guessing Mrs White was a self-harmer then, because she must have liked the pain, Carrie watches in utter stunned disbelief. Now dead... Kitty drags her mother down, crawling into her prayer closet. She buries them both as she pulls the house down. Bursting into fire, it burns, sinking down into hell itself. Months later, at Sue's house, she has a nightmare of Kitty's hand pulling her down into hell as she lays flowers down her grave. Because it's no longer a grave, it's just a pile of bricks and mortar. And a sign that says, "Kitty White burns in hell. Charming note this was shot in reverse you can see a car in the background going backwards something mean hmm. her mother then cuts her off to an house as credits roll so that was Carrie. every bullied person's dream come true to get revenge on their tormentors with themes of th- feminist empowerment bullying abuse at home religion gone wrong and psychic abilities this weird little movie with weird little cap tricks cheesy ass mu- music and ott acting I will say one thing, once this thing starts off at the last 20 minutes, it's a great time. However, this kind of lags in the middle. I also had a bloody music doing But anyway, I'm going to give this thing a very successful 7 out of 10. So stay right there as I look at the 1999 sequel, Rage Carry 2. Can a movie 23 years later live up to the last 20 minutes of this iconic movie? Or was this just another Scream clone that should never have been made? Find out here. And where the hell do I start with this thing? First up, this has nothing to do with Stephen King or his book Carrie. In fact, the writers had the idea of a psychic-powered teen getting revenge after being used for a stupid game by some idiot high school jocks. This is based off True Events back in 1983, where college jocks would sleep with high school girls and judge them out of 10. However, when it was all written, they realised it was too close to Stephen King, so I'm guessing they could have cut my check, and now we have The Rage, Carrie 2. Second up, this has more padding than Drag Queen's ass, with filler shots from the original movie, with Amy Irving returning to play her role from Carrie, as the high school guidance counsellor. Uh, wait, what here? Her mother carted her off to another house at the end of Carrie, but 20 years later, she's in the same high school, working with troubled teens. Is that a good idea? Thirdly, Carrie's dad had yet another t- telekinetic child six years after the events of Carrie. Okay then. Also, did he have a thing for religious nuts as the, the teenager's mother? And this is Mrs. White Light. And finally, this just jumped on the teen slasher train after the success of Scream. So sit down, shut yourself in. This is going to be a bumpy ride back to the late 90s, starring Emily Burgle. Jason London, Zachary Ty Bryan, J. Smith Cameron and Amy Irving, directed by Kat Shea. The plot, a teenage girl with psychic powers takes revenge on women girls and jocks at her high school. After not only driving her one true friend to kill herself, but by using her, taking her virginity for some stupid game. And then showing the video of her having sex to the whole school, who will survive (laughs) and what would be left of them. Find out here. So the opens up on a paintbrush spreading a red paint all over the walls. We find out it's Barbara Lang, played by J. Smith-Cameron, smearing a red line across every sur- uh, surface in the house, including her young daughter Rachel Lang, played by Kalia Campbell. S- Social Services kicks the door in and takes young rachel away however as she runs away she uses her psychic powers to slam all the doors behind her meanwhile her mother is carted off to the local nut house what's with the red paint it's supposed to be blood of christ pig's blood as in order to carry or worse period blood what i should mention every time rachel uses her powers or feels upset the film goes all black and white and artistically because this woman's an auteur <sighs> Fast forward to the now 18-year-old Rachel, played by Emily Burgle, in her 90s goth girl teen angst realness, you know, dyed black hair, black fingernails, Marlon Manson, goth chokers, the whole nine yards, I mean, for Jesus Christ, seems her foster parents are lower class and struggling to make ends meet. Her foster mother, who doesn't actually get a bloody name in this, I mean, (laughs) hates the fact Rachel is still has her basset hound from when she was a little girl and that was a puppy. When she lets it sleep with her at night, Rachel talks back to her. So her stepfather, or actually her foster father, Boyd, played by John Doe, tells her to treat them like they were her real parents, adding she'll be leaving soon and this pisses off Boyd who moans they'll be down 300 bucks a month. What a real fucking charm this guy is. I mean, hmm. So you get it. Unhappy teen, broken family, hated at school for being an outsider, the unusual, you know, typical fucking boring ass crap. On the school bus, we meet Rachel's one friend, Lisa, played by Mina Savari, of American beauty fame. She tells Rachel she lost her virginity that weekend, as cut to the high school, or every single high school and every single teen comedy, from the late 90s to the mid-noughties. As some shitty late 90s fucking Boy band song plays. I mean, I think 182. No, Blink 182. Hmm. The camera pans as we see all the cliques, the goths, the stoners, the popper girls, the school band, etc., etc. This then settles on the jocks, led by Eric, played by Zachary Ty Bryan of Home Improvements fame, who has a face you wouldn't stop punching. I mean, ugh, God, he's such a doucheness. His boys are Mark, played by Dylan Bruno. Of numbers fame and i swear to god he looks like a lost dylan brother brad played by justin Ulrich, who is that one fat douche boy fucking douchebag bro brother you know mm. chuck played by eli craig who is now a director in fact he directed one of my favorite horrors tucker and dale versus evil and finally we have a <coughs> misunderstood jock jesse played by jason london of days and confused to one the tracker movies based off the naughty striker that is, I mean. Fifty-one and a boatload of shitty shark movies. If he's such a misunderstood or lost soul, then why the fuck is he hanging out with these douchebags who are judging women on how bangable they are, adding points and notches to their bedposts? I mean, honestly fucking god, he's supposed to be this lost soul and blah 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 fucking bullshit these douche bros think Mina Savari is a fat, ugly chick. In fact, she's a a coyote date. Quote, A chick so ugly, you'd rather chew off your arm to wake her up. Unquote. Really, queen? You think Mina Savari is a fat, ugly chick. This chick that won, uh, what was it? The most beautiful woman in the world three years in a row. And she's a fat, ugly chick. I mean, have you seen yourselves? You're no fucking oil paintings, yourselves, mate. Jesus, jinkies. Got to an English class where they're talking about what else? Romeo and Juliet and how a fucking original. Why is every time they have a, a teen drama, they always go to Romeo and fucking Juliet? Bloody hack writers. In this class is class Dork, Arnie, played by Eddie Kane Thomas of American Pie fame. Check my archives. I think he's the only one in this that got out of a career. Also, they are the mean girls. Monica, played by Rachel Blanchard of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Clueless TV show, she played Cher. A Road Trip Without a Paddle, Fargo TV show and Snakes on a Plane. Her BFF, Tracy, played by Charlotte Anya. Uh, It's cut to a dark corridor as Lisa is rummaging through her locker, then in a depressed fog climbs the stairs to the roof as she jumps off to her death, which will this, and her powers blow open every single locker in the high school. Finally, we meet Sue Snell, once again played by Amy Irving, and she's the new guidance counselor for this high school. Okay then, Rachel dips her thumb in Lisa's blood, saying, Best blood. What the actual fuck? I mean, she goes up to her best friend's dead body and dips her thumb in the blood. What in the. Uh... As Jessie looks on horrified in Sue's office, she asks Rachel what's happened. Rachel says she doesn't understand. She, uh, Lisa was happy that morning on the school bus. And with that, she says she'll be right back as Rachel runs outside in slow mo, but of course, because. Eh. Thriller, to see lisa's body being carted away she continues running through the woods with some arty blood effects added for reasons as in this school no one is listening to sue snell and she says the school at 1 p.m that day will have a minute silence in fact the douche bros score lisa in their little game book until eric rubs her out i mean what a dickhead this guy actually is I mean, they give her a 4 out of 10, for crying out loud. I mean, dear, oh dear. For one tattoo of a love heart wrapped in bloody vines. I mean, for crying out loud. Rachel finally stops running in the middle of the woods. As back in school, Lisa's locker is broken open. And because they see a picture of Marlon Manson, they think she was depressed if her case closed. The sheriff finds her note and a ticket stub for the one photomut in town that Rachel just happened to work in. Hmm. Cut to Eric telling his boys he slept with Lisa, then dumped her before she jumped off the roof. Even his douche-boy, uh, bro-boy. Mark looks down at him in utter disgust. So <laughs> You know you're a pawn scum, if a complete arsehole, bro Like, this twat looks down on you. I mean, as I says, they gave Lisa a 4 out of 10. Really? Have you looked yourself in the mirror, Eric? CK In calling out time soon, mate. Dear, old oh dear. And wow, Eric sinks even lower all he cares about is himself and his football career. What a complete prick. Is this what American high schools are like? If you're good at sports, you're put on a fucking pedestal untouchable where nothing nor anything can touch you as long as you're good at ass sports. No wonder we have people like Brock Turner in this fucking world. I mean... Uh, I say, strip the schools of sports and put the money to more needed places such as math, English, or even how about a class that teaches you to become a human being, not a cold, shallow, heartless, self-centered little waste of spunk, only caring about likes and how many followers you get on Instagram, Twitter, and whatever the fuck else you use nowadays. Fucking little shits. I mean, oh my god. <clears throat> Moving on. Mark agrees to cover it all up as they pump class rings as they do. Barf! Who wrote this fucking script for crying out loud? Lisa at night at the photo mark while listening to Billy Holiday. What the fuck? 17 year old listens to Billy Holiday. Rachel develops the pictures Lisa took of her and Eric that weekend at Paul's mark. In his car, but yet Jesse's driving for reasons. Hmm. To tell Rachel to hand over the money and it'll be 20 bucks in it for her. She says no. So he offers 30 bucks and a cruise around the block. And he's a casting over. I can always swoon so much. Woo. She says no, claiming she's a dyke. With that, Jesse then speeds off again. If he's such a sweet soul, then why the fuck is he driving this dickwad around town? Dead <sighs> old dear. Oh dear. Cut to later as Rachel is looking at the pictures and here she finds out it was Eric that took Lisa's virginity. The sheriff collects the photos and then reads Lisa, sorry, reads Rachel Lisa's suicide note as Sue Snell looks on. Why the fuck would the sheriff read the suicide note to fucking Rachel? I mean, <clears throat> Rachel tells him who Lisa is talking about, i.e. Eric, and he took her virginity, adding he's on the football team. This being a football town, however, the sheriff wants to cover it all up, but Sue stands up demanding justice. The sheriff is played by Clint Jordan. Says, breaking a girl's heart isn't against the law, but new no, rape is. And Sue points out Eric is 18, while Lisa is 16. Statutory rape. The sheriff acts outraged and asks if Sue is trying to save the girl that died 20 years earlier. Cut to the first of many, many padding shots from Kiri. Of Kiri and the show are getting pelted by tampons. Cut back to Jesse fucking Tracy in the back of his car as his bros watch from the woods. What the fuck? I mean, the bros give Tracy an eight. She sees his bros cheating him on. This pisses her off, but does nothing but brush her hair. Talking about how pretty she'll be for the party that Friday night. As the doucheboys speed off, this leaves a moody Jesse to mope over what they did to Lisa. About fucking time. hasn't been doing this for fucking years. I mean, Sue says there's been several girls crying over the past two years since she took the job about how they're getting used and abused by these dickhead guys, but they don't actually report it. What the fuck? Finally, he gets to feel some guilt. Oh no. Tracy tells him why should she care some nobody killed himself. She was just a nobody anyway, not a popular girl, not a, not a mean girl, just a nobody. <sighs> she doesn't give two fucks as she sits and implies lip gloss, asking Jessie to the party. I mean, what a cold self centered little bitch she is. <sighs> Meanwhile, at Rachel's, she's having a hard time controlling her powers, her foster Dad arrives home from work as out runs Rachel's dog, which chases after the dog, but it's run over. In a nice touch, it's run over by a pig's truck. So there's a nice nod to Kerry. Rachel uses her powers to smash Jesse's car's windscreen as he drives past dropping off Tracy. He then takes Rachel and Walter the dog to a 24-7 vet, because every small town has a 24-7 vet, doesn't it? Of it tells him Walter is pretty banged up with a broken leg and lots of blood loss, but he'll make it fine. He's a fighter, a spanky little thing. I swear to fuck these fucking seagulls. Ugh. So apologies if you hear these fucking things crawling away, but uh, can't be stopped. Instead of taking Rachel home, Jesse takes her to a diner to have some dinner. Never mind, all she's wearing is a pair of boxer shorts, a wife beater and a coated in dog's blood hoodie. That's perfect attire for the first day. I mean, for fuck's sake. Moving on. Getting funny looks from everyone. The two just sit and have awkward small talk about garbage. The bandit is. And how very 90s is that? Moving on. He drives her home. I swear to fuck. Seagulls. Where was I? Oh yes. Moving on, he drives her home. Yet more small talk as sparks literally fly as she shocks him using his sorry, hard powers. So with that, she's in love. Cut to a nightmare of Lisa jumping as Rachel screams below, and all arty-farty black and white and slow mo as papers round run down sort of rain down as. Blood runs down over a carbon shield. It's Rachel, not Lisa. What does Hull mean? Who the fuck cares? Get on with it. Stop fucking padding. The next day, Miss Snell has Rachel in her office telling her she knows her mother is at Arkham Asylum for Schizophrenia. It's her roommate, Harley Quinn, by any chance. Anyway, Sue st- uh, tells her all about Carrie. And yes, you've guessed it. More flashbacks. Again, is Sue. Stable enough for this job uh, in the same high school, really. Hmm. Sue so asks Rachel how she feels about losing Lisa, and this sets off Rachel's power as she knocks a coffee cup off the desk. Rachel then has a heart-to-heart with everyone's favorite douche bro, Eric, but she smirks and walks off with a shitting grin on his face because he's a complete cold-hearted cunt. Cut to the coach showing last season's plays on a overhead projector. Eric isn't listening. Instead he has a go at Mark for not covering up. So the coach breaks up the little a tete gets Mark to drop trousers, boxes, trousers, and all looking for a tampon. Wait, what? So this guy, Mark, is standing there with his arse hanging out, as the coach is staring at these fucking balls looking for a tampon string. <sighs> this is completely fucked up in multiple levels. How the fuck do coach get away with doing this shit? I mean what the fuck? <sighs> Outside, they go for training. The sheriff pulls up and questions Eric, who lies through the skin, fucking, through the skin of his teeth, saying he's never saw nor spoke to this Lisa in his life until the sheriff shows him the photograph and his face just falls. Cut to the wing girls judging Jesse because he's talking to Rachel. He then asks her out as Arnie runs over to get the gossip from Rachel, a warning her to stay away from Jesse because he's Tracy's man. So is he gay? Audrey pretending to be so to get into Rachel's pants during one drinking night after prom. Outside, Mark is waiting for Eric, who is freaking out. The sheriff is talking about charging him with rape. Just think about it, I would have had him done for manslaughter also, the fucking cocky prick. Mark asks about what about the big fucking game? So he's a complete and useless tool bag too, then, I see. Also, Eric only gives a fuck about his stupid game and the football scouts. So they come up with a plan to silence Rachel. By the way, this is the first week in September. School has restarted. Why the fuck is the first game the big game? Isn't the big game usually the end of the season? <sighs> Cut to Rachel's house. Ah, uh, she's in the shower getting ready for her date. Someone knocks at the door. She answers it wearing a red towel. I really love you going to answer the door just wearing a fucking towel. More knocking as Rachel locks the door. It's the douche bros trying to scare Rachel. So she uses her powers to fight back, keeping the bros at bay. They try to hide their voice using a Donald Duck sound. What the fuck? I then turn off all the power and shine torches in the window. I then throw a brick through the window and terrorise poor Rachel. Okay, this is just ridiculous. Grow the fuck up, you spoil little brats. I mean... The movie even rips off Scream. with, what's your favourite scary movie? No movie, just know that's a bad movie, you stick to your <coughs> original story, you fucking hack. Eric breaks in with brass knucks, going to smash Rachel's face in, and wow mate, just fucking wow. You're going to punch out a fucking 18 18-year-old, year old, some 18 year old's face with brass fucking knucks, all because she reported you being a fucking rapist scumbag like you fucking are. She however breaks his fingers as slamming a window on him. The foster parents come home. Rachel however, doesn't tell them she was attacked. She just storms off to her room because she's angsty teen. The next morning at high school, the rival team do a drive-by egging. What the fuck? Jesse goes over to Rachel to ask why she was a no-show at their date. She ever walks off. Instead of telling him about her attack, she just walks off all mopey-like because angsty teen. Is there any likable characters in this fucking movie? I mean, in the original, Katie was sympathetic and Sue was trying to do something to better herself. Hell, even the fucking mean girls weren't that bad apart from the buggy or nuts. Chris, Tracy, whines to Monica how Jesse picks Rachel over her. Maybe it's because she has a heart and cares something more about social standing and or fucking makeup, you fucking shallow bint. Rachel tells Jesse maybe they shouldn't date. After all, he's a football stud and she's a nobody. But, much like the original, he pulls the I'm taking no for an answer card as she says yes after fucking two minutes of full-on harassment. In a locker room, and dear God, you can tell it's a female director as there's fuck-tons of male nudity. Jesse asks Mark Mark, why the fuck they went after Rachel. Mark just tells him he's a friend who looks after his friends or oh, pros before holes, mate. Uh, he is right on one thing, however. Jesse doesn't know Rachel for shit. They went on one date and now he's a changed man. He's a perfect person. Yeah. Good. yeah, that's how you wipe away years of being a jock dickhead, using your looks, social standing and money to get into girls' pants and then dumping him after you've finished with them like a fucking used tissue. Uh, Face cuffs are happening as uh, Jesse stands up to Mark and yawn! Enough of this alpha male bullshit, just get to the fucking, quote, prom scene. Meanwhile, in Miss Snell's office, she gives Rachel a quest to find out if she has powers or if she's, like her mother, a fucking bug-nut schizophrenic person. This doesn't bode well for a snow globe on the desk as Rachel makes explode. Now, Sue knows she has another carry on her hands. Yet more flashback to the prom scene. Again, is Sue still enough to be working at this fucking high school? Later that night, on their date, Jesse takes Rachel to the like site to watch some stars. Ooh, ah, romance is dead. He tells her she's lucky to be an outsider and doesn't have to give a shit what people think and having the whole peer pressure all over the top of her head. Well she says she wish she she was a shiny happy paper person just like everybody else and this stuns Jessie. So basically Rachel is a fucking shallow bitch and all, but she has no friends, therefore she's an outsider, an edgy angsty teen. Ugh god. One kiss later and it starts to rain. Is that something else then? hmm also, Rachel can now control weather, really. More awkward small talk. This leads to yet more kissing at octopus hands. As Rachel, lying on Jessie's lap, complains the handbrake is poking into her back. Elaf, off! that ain't no handbrake. <clears throat> she then tells him she's a virgin. She wants it to be special, having flowers, candles, the whole nine yards. Uh, cut to Sue, visiting Rachel's mother at Arkham. She asks Mrs. Lang who Rachel's father is, and then asks if Rachel had freaky powers growing up. Pushing further onto Mrs. Lang, she finally cracks, telling her it was Ralph White, Carrie's daddy. The next day, Sue takes Rachel to the burned-out gym from Carrie. I was scratch that; it's the entire high school was burnt down. Wow! Sue tells Rachel she knows she has special powers. Yet more flashbacks as the prom burns down. Sue tells her uh, she is Kitty's little half-sister. Rachel calls her batshit crazy and just storms off. Cut to Eric and his father in the sheriff's office as he tells them he's getting charged with rape. The father says it was only, quote, youthful transgressions. He's a good boy. Is that the same shit excuse Brock Turner's father used? I mean and mocks a judge, or a mayor, who the fuck this guy is. And here, Eric spills all but his football team's little game of shagging girls, judging them in bed, and giving them a score out of 10. Then says all the boys are doing it, throwing each and every one of his brothers under the fucking bus. What a complete worthless arsehole this guy is. And what a complete cunt. First of all, you force girls into sleeping with you. Then... Tried to beat up an 18 year old girl and then cover it all up also you cause a 16 year old girl to kill herself and now you're throwing your brothers under a bus wow sir just wow of course this being a football town and eric being a white and rich he's let off of a slapped on the wrist out walks eric with a shitting grin in his face because of course he does the fucking ass wipe Next day, Jessie continues to schmooze Rachel, asking her to the big game. This pisses off Tracy, who rants. At least, dump me for somebody that counts. Tracy demands something to be done to stop her from being dissed. Oh no, princess, what's wrong? Someone not, nothing going your own way, so it's time to throw the toys out to the pram, like a little bitch you are. Uh, Cut to Mark, um, helping Jessie with lifting weights. Then, sweet talks his way into Jesse's good books, going as far as to offer him his parents' cabin in the woods as a place to take Rachel. He agrees. That's cut to Rachel being um, pretty woman, as she tries to buy lipstick. The snooty store assistant chases her off until Monica tells her Rachel is a friend from high school. Monica tries to worm her way into Rachel's good books, telling her she thinks Tracy is a quote Melrose Place super bitch, applying lipstick, Uh, To Rachel, Monica asks her to the big party Friday night, eh, danger, danger, war, I in danger, and the silly bitch says yes, god, as Rachel walks away, Monica steals lipstick, handing it to her on the outside of the store, okay then, so now they're besties all of a sudden, yeah, how about, no, that night, Rachel dolls herself up, listening to more Billy Holiday, For the big date, this drags for a full two fucking minutes as you see her applying mascara, curling her eyelash, putting her lipstick, putting on the... What the fuck? I'll just get on with a bloody thing. (sighs) Finally, Jessie shows up to whisk her away with a bunch of daisies in hand, that being Rachel's favourite flower. Flowers, even. At the cabin, Jessie and Rachel have sex as outside Mark and company record it. The next morning, Rachel is caught sneaking into her bedroom through the window as her foster father has her grounded for the rest of the bloody weekend. She mopes around in her room, trying on a red dress she somehow managed to buy. What the fuck? Back in school, as the team have shaved off their hair for some bullshit till building reason, what the fuck? Jessie walks off in utter disgust. Sue visits Arkham again to break Mrs. Lang out in a vain attempt to help her save Rachel. Okay. It's the big game time! Rachel listens to it on the radio, while wearing a red dress. Okay, then. As Sue gets Mrs. Lang out. Meanwhile, in the game, Eric gets sent off for chopping a rival player's throat. So this guy is just highly unstable and a complete prick. As Sue runs Mrs. Lang out of Arkham, uh, some, the same cheesy music from Kerry plays when Toby was buying a tuxedo for some fucking reason. Back to Rachel, who hears on the radio that Jesse has been hurt and hurt bad. She's off to help him. Sue drives Mrs. Lang throughout town, as Mrs. Lang sees and talks to people who aren't there. Okay. Rachel arrives with 12 seconds on the clock. She helps Jesse's throw win the big game. Ah, Jesse is carted off the pitch. Rachel screams, I love you, by pointing at him. What the fuck? In the locker room, Jesse is handpicked by the scout as Eric sits in shame. Monica gives Rachel a ride to the big party, leaving Tracy behind to snare Jesse, which she does by spray-painting Bulldog's Suck, Devil's Rule and slashing his tyres. As Tracy leaves, Sue arrives. Wait, I just got this lame-ass jo- joke. Monica is taking Rachel to Mark's house and his second name is Chandler. They're all Friends characters. For that, you lose two points movie. That's a bad movie, for God's sake. At the party everyone shows up, even the loser Arnie, as he sits outside the gates doing donuts while drinking cheap beer. What the fuck? Rachel walks in and she's giving the stink face by everyone, then rubber her neck when Monica says she's with her. The douche bros be extra nice to Rachel. Hello, alarm bells must be ringing, love you silly bitch. At Tracy's, what they couldn't have called her Phoebe or fucking Courtney, I mean. Mm, she unsettled hits on Jesse by changing in front of him. He is not interested however, as at the party Rachel gets drunk and has to dance with everyone of the douche bros. Mark puts on the tape from Rachel's first time and lets everyone see it and here it is what this lame duck has been building to the They're all gonna laugh at you See? Well they all laugh as Mark throws Rachel the scorebook she finds out Jesse has won the game by a good 10 points Mark calls Eric down who has a broken arm for some reason And now the games begin Mark forces Rachel to watch the tape on a huge screen, which has a mirror all across the house. What the fuck? Where everyone points and laughs at her. More arty shots and black and white bullshit. As Rachel finally snaps, first her heart in chains tattooed, matching one well chains it's more vines, the matching one that Lisa has, starts to heartbeat, and then all the doors seal shut, and an earthquake hits as a bad CGI. Vines grow over her body. Rachel blows out every single glass in the house, including doors and windows. Then stalks after Mark, Eric and Monica. Sue shows up just as the shutters slam shut and is killed via a polka through the head, which first goes through Brad's eye, I believe. Next, Rachel kills people with CDs. How very hell is a three Barbie check eyes. The, the bar explodes. And then a log flies out of the fire and sets the place alight. People run for their lives as the place burns. Outside, Arnie and the losers are jealous and inside. island's Mark and Eric run upstairs to Mark's dad's harpoon room, because of course he's got a harpoon room. And they arm themselves. Rachel slowly stalks after Mark, Monica and Eric until they have trapped in the pool room. First to die is Monica, as Rachel makes her glasses explode. She's blinded, so she's Eric in the balls with the spear gun ripping off his cock and balls. Mark then shoots Rachel with a flare gun, but it only wounds her as she falls into the pool to put it out. That's not how flares work. Mark then gloats until she pulls him in. Rachel then closes the pool cover, drowning Mark. Rachel uses the spear gun to cut away out of the pool and escape. Her mother comes down to help her, however, she thinks the devil is inside her and runs off back into the fire, leaving Rachel to die all alone. Jesse arrives and this picks up perks up Rachel, rather, who sees he's with Tracy, so she drops the fucking burning roof on Tracy's head. Jesse tries to pull Rachel out, but she sees on a tape the two of them are still having sex. Jesse claims he had no idea this was getting recorded as Rachel unbolts the stairs uh, to kill him. She stops when she sees on the tape he said he loved her in his sleep. Who said romance was dead? However, the stairs fall on top of Jesse. So Rachel dies in front of Jesse and saves him. Now dead, almost. And with the place burning down, he gets out. Well, actually, she force pushes him across the fucking room and into the pool. That's one year later. In Jesse's university at midnight, Rachel's ghost visits Jesse, the two have a kiss and she shatters into ashes. But it was all a nightmare, as credits roll. So that was Rage Carrie 2, not a patch on original. If they wanted to make a movie about how bad Team Rachel is, they should have done it instead of adding a piss poor Carrie clone. However, if they wanted a Carrie clone, then they should have flipped the genders, made Rachel a boy, then he could have passed on his powers to his kids. I mean, none of the people in this are likeable, not even Rachel. Jesse is a lovelorn puppy dog, Eric is a complete utter useless tool bag. Mark is a moustache twirling baddie, and Monica is just a cheap mean girl stereotype. The effects are cheap. Amy Irving is completely useless in this fucking movie. The script is trying too hard to be edgy and cool, and overall, this is a chore to get through. In fact, it took me three days to write and well, watch and write this fucking review. This isn't half of what Carrie is therefore it's getting half the score. A 3 out of 10. Come back next week as I look at Children of the Corn. Then the rest of the month as I look at other selected Stephen King movies. Don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pods, And email me a move request to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com October is House on Haunted Hill. November is Night of. December is End of the World Movies. So check out my other horror franchise podcasts of House, Underworld, Mad Max, Batman, Hellraiser and many, many more. Also, my soul reviews of Stephen King's The Shining, The Mist, Christine, The Thing and many, many more. Don't forget to check out my second podcast, the Schlocky Horror Podcast Show, where myself and my co-host Eric, from this podcast, the two bearded losers, look at all things b to z the worst of the very worst. So check it out on Anchor. Uh, Bye, and remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to.